Section thirty six of Germanon by Emile Zola. Translation by Havelock Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Part seven. Chapter two. On Sunday, Etienne escaped from the settlement at nightfall. A very clear sky, sprinkled with stars, lit up the earth with a blue haze of twilight. He went down towards the canal and followed the bank slowly in the direction of Marchand. It was his favorite walk, a grass-covered path two leagues long, passing straight beside this geometrical waterway, which unrolled itself like an endless ingot of molten silver. He never met anyone there, but on this day he was vexed to see a man come up to him. Beneath the pale starlight, the two solitary walkers only recognized each other when they were face to face. "'What is it, you?' said Etienne. Souverine nodded his head without replying. For a moment they remained motionless, then side by side they set out towards Marchiennes. Each of them seemed to be continuing his own reflections, as though they were far away from each other. "'Have you seen in the paper about Pluchart's success at Paris?' asked Etienne at length. After that meeting at Belleville, they waited for him on the pavement and gave him an ovation. Oh, he's afloat now. In spite of his sore throat, he can do what he likes in the future. The engine man shrugged his shoulders. He felt contempt for fine talkers, fellows who go into politics as one goes to the bar to get an income out of phrases. Etienne was now studying Darwin. He had read fragments, summarized and popularized in a five-suit volume, and out of this ill-understood reading he had gained for himself a revolutionary idea of the struggle for existence, the lean eating the fat, the strong people devouring the pallid middle class, but Souverain furiously attacked the stupidity of the socialists who accept Darwin, that apostle of scientific inequality, whose famous selection was only good for aristocratic philosophers his mate persisted however wishing to reason out the matter and expressing his doubts by an hypothesis supposing the old society were no longer to exist swept away to the crumbs well was it not to be feared that the new world would grow up again slowly spoilt by the same injustices some sick and others flourishing some more skilful and intelligent fattening on everything and others imbecile and lazy becoming slaves again but before this vision of eternal wretchedness the engine man shouted out fiercely that if justice was not possible with man then man must disappear for every rotten society there must be a massacre until the last creature was exterminated and there was silence again for a long time with sunken head souverain walked over the short grass so absorbed that he kept to the extreme edge by the water with the quiet certainty of a sleepwalker on a roof then he shuddered causelessly as though he had stumbled against a shadow his eyes lifted and his face was very pale he said softly to his companion did i ever tell you how she died whom do you mean my wife over there in russia etienne made a vague gesture astonished at the tremor in his voice and at the sudden desire for confidence in this lad who was usually so impassive in his stoical detachment from others 
and from himself he only knew that the woman was his mistress and that she had been hanged in moscow the affair hadn't gone off souverain said with eyes still vacantly following the white stream of the canal between the bluish colonnades of tall trees we had been a fortnight at the bottom of a hole undermining the railway and it was not the imperial train that was blown up it was a passenger train then they arrested anotchka she brought us bread every evening disguised as a peasant woman she lit the fuse too because a man might have attracted attention i followed the trial hidden in the crowd for six days his voice became thick and he coughed as though he were choking twice i wanted to cry out and to rush over the people's heads to join her but what was the good one man less would be one soldier less and i could see that she was telling me not to come when her large eyes met mine he coughed again on the last day in the square i was there it was raining they stupidly lost their heads put out by the falling rain it took twenty minutes to hang the other four the cord broke they could not finish the fourth anotchka was standing up waiting she could not see me she was looking for me in the crowd i got on to a post and she saw me and our eyes never turned from each other when she was dead she was still looking at me i waved my hat i came away there was silence again the white road of the canal unrolled to the far distance and they both walked with the same quiet step as though each had fallen back into his isolation at the horizon the pale water seemed to open the sky with a little hole of light it was our punishment souverain went on roughly we were guilty to love each other yes it is well that she is dead heroes will be born from her blood and i no longer have any cowardice at my heart ah nothing neither parents nor wife nor friend nothing to make my hand tremble on the day when i must take others lives or give up my own etienne had stopped shuddering in the cool night he discussed no more he simply said we have gone far shall we go back they went back towards the Baroque slowly and he added after a few paces have you seen the new placards the company had that morning put up some more large yellow posters they were clearer and more conciliatory and the company undertook to take back the certificates of those miners who went down on the following day everything would be forgotten and pardon was offered even to those who were most implicated yes i've seen replied the engineer well what do you think of it i think that it's all up the flock will go down again you are all too cowardly etienne feverishly excused his mates a man may be brave a mob which is dying of hunger has no strength step by step they were returning to the Baroque, and before the black mass of the pit he continued swearing that he at least would never go down but he could forgive those who did then as the rumour ran that the carpenters had not had time to repair the tubbing he asked for information was it true had the weight of the soil against the timber which formed the internal skirt of scaffolding to the shaft so pushed it in that the winding cages rubbed as they went down for a length of over fifty metres souverain who once more became uncommunicative replied briefly he had been working the day before and the cage did in fact jar the engineman had even had to double the speed to pass that spot 
but all the bosses received any observations with the same irritating remark if it was coal they wanted that could be repaired later on you see that will smash up etienne murmured it will be a fine time with eyes vaguely fixed on the pit in the shadow souverine quietly concluded if it does smash up the mates will know it since you advise them to go down again nine o'clock struck at the Monceau steeple and his companion having said that he was going to bed he added without putting out his hand well good-bye i'm going away what you're going away yes i've asked for my certificate back i'm going elsewhere etienne stupefied and affected looked at him after walking for two hours he said that to him and in so calm a voice while the mere announcement of this sudden separation made his whole heart ache they had got to know each other they had toiled together that always makes one sad the idea of not seeing a person again you're going away and where do you go over there i don't know at all but i shall see you again no i think not they were silent and remained for a moment facing each other without finding anything to say then good-bye good-bye while etienne ascended toward the settlement souverine turned and again went along the canal bank and there now alone he continued to walk with sunken head so lost in the darkness that he seemed merely a moving shadow of the night now and then he stopped he counted the hours that struck afar when he heard midnight strike he left the bank and turned towards the Voreux. at that time the pit was empty and he only met a sleepy-eyed captain it was not until two o'clock that they would begin to get up steam to resume work first he went to take from a cupboard a jacket which he pretended to have forgotten various tools a drill armed with its screw a small but very strong saw a hammer and a chisel were rolled up in this jacket then he left but instead of going out through the shed he passed through the narrow corridor which led to the ladder passage with his jacket under his arm he quietly went down without a lamp measuring the depth by counting the ladders he knew that the cage jarred at three hundred and seventy-four metres against the fifth row of the lower tubbing when he had counted fifty-four ladders he put out his hand and was able to feel the swelling of the planking it was there then with the skill and coolness of a good workman who has been reflecting over his task for a long time he set to work he began by sawing a panel in the brattice so as to communicate with the winding shaft with the help of matches quickly lighted and blown out he was then able to ascertain the condition of the tubbing and of the recent repairs between calais and valenciennes the sinking of mine shafts was surrounded by immense difficulties on account of the masses of subterranean water in great sheets at the level of the lowest valleys only the construction of tubbings frameworks jointed like the stays of a barrel could keep out the springs which flow in and isolate the shafts in the midst of the lakes which with deep obscure waves beat against the walls it had been necessary in sinking the bureau to establish two tubbings that of the upper level in the shifting sands and white clays bordering the chalky stratum and fissured in every part swollen with water like a sponge then that of the lower level immediately above the coal stratum in a yellow sand as fine as flour flowing with liquid fluidity 
it was here that the torrent was to be found that subterranean sea so dreaded in the coal pits of the nord a sea with its storms and its shipwrecks an unknown and unfathomable sea rolling its dark floods more than three hundred metres beneath the daylight usually the tubbings resisted the enormous pressure the only thing to be dreaded was the piling up of the neighbouring soil shaken by the constant movement of the old galleries which were filling up in this descent of the rocks lines of fracture were sometimes produced which slowly extended as far as the scaffolding at last perforating it and pushing it into the shaft and there was the great danger of a landslip and a flood filling the pit with an avalanche of earth and a deluge of springs souverain sitting astride in the opening he had made discovered a very serious defect in the fifth row of tubbing the wood was bellied out from the framework several planks had even come out of their shoulder pieces abundant filtrations pichot the miners call them were jetting out of the joints through the tarred oakum with which they were caulked the carpenters pressed for time had been content to place iron squares at the angles so carelessly that not all the screws were put in a considerable movement was evidently going on behind in the sand of the torrent then with his wimble he unscrewed the squares so that another push would tear them all off it was a foolhardy task during which he frequently only just escaped from falling headlong down the hundred and eighty meters which separated him from the bottom he had been obliged to seize the oak guides the joists along which the cages slid and suspended over the void he traversed the length of the cross-beams with which they were joined from point to point slipping along sitting down turning over simply buttressing himself on an elbow or a knee with tranquil contempt of death a breath would have sent him over and three times he caught himself up without a shudder first he felt with his hand and then worked only lighting a match when he lost himself in the midst of these slimy beams after loosening the screws he attacked the wood itself and the peril became still greater he had sought for the key the piece which held the others he attacked it furiously making holes in it sawing it thinning it so that it lost its resistance while through the holes and the cracks the water which escaped in small jets blinded him and soaked him in icy rain two matches were extinguished they all became damp and then there was night the bottomless depth of darkness from this moment he was seized by rage the breath of the invisible intoxicated him the black horror of this rain-beaten hole urged him to mad destruction he wreaked his fury at random against the tubbing striking where he could with his wimble with his saw seized by the desire to bring the whole thing at once down on his head he brought as much ferocity to the task as though he had been digging a knife into the skin of some execrated living creature who would kill the voreux at last that evil beast with ever open jaws which had swallowed so much human flesh the bite of his tools could be heard his spine lengthened he crawled climbed down then up again holding on by a miracle in continual movement the flight of a nocturnal bird amid the scaffolding of a belfry but he grew calm dissatisfied with himself 
why could not things be done coolly without haste he took breath and then went back into the latter passage stopping up the hole by replacing the panel which he had sawn that was enough he did not wish to raise the alarm by excessive damage which would have been repaired immediately the beast was wounded in the belly we should see if it was still alive at night and he had left his mark the frightened world would know that the beast had not died a natural death he took his time in methodically rolling up his tools in his jacket and slowly climbed up the ladders then when he had emerged from the pit without being seen it did not even occur to him to go and change his clothes three o'clock struck he remained standing on the road waiting at the same hour etienne who was not asleep was disturbed by a slight sound in the thick night of the room he distinguished the low breath of the children and the snoring of bonnemort and Mehu, while jeanlin near him was breathing with a prolonged flute-like whistle no doubt he had dreamed and he was turning back when the noise began again it was the creaking of a paillasse the stifled effort of someone who was getting up then he imagined that catherine must be ill i say is it you what is the matter he asked in a low voice no one replied and the snoring of the others continued for five minutes nothing stirred then there was fresh creaking feeling certain this time that he was not mistaken he crossed the room putting his hands out into the darkness to feel the opposite bed he was surprised to find the young girl sitting up holding in her breath awake and on the watch well why don't you reply what are you doing then at last she said i'm getting up getting up at this hour yes i'm going back to work at the pit etienne felt deeply moved and sat down on the edge of the palliace while catherine explained her reasons to him she suffered too much by living thus in idleness feeling continual looks of reproach weighing on her she would rather run the risk of being knocked about down there by cheval and if her mother refused to take her money when she brought it well she was big enough to act for herself and make her own soup go away i want to dress and don't say anything will you if you want to be kind but he remained near her he had put his arms round her waist in a caress of grief and pity pressed one against the other in their shirts they could feel the warmth of each other's naked flesh at the edge of this bed still moist with a night's sleep she had at first tried to free herself then she began to cry quietly in her turn taking him by the neck to press him against her in a despairing clasp and they remained without any further desires with the past of their unfortunate love which they had not been able to satisfy was it then done with forever would they never dare to love each other some day now that they were free it only needed a little happiness to dissipate their shame that awkwardness which prevented them from coming together because of all sorts of ideas which they themselves could not read clearly go to bed again she whispered i don't want to light up it would wake mother it is time leave me he could not hear he was pressing her wildly with a heart drowned in immense sadness the need for peace an irresistible need for happiness was carrying him away 
and he saw himself married in a neat little house with no other ambition than to live and to die there both of them together he would be satisfied with bread and if there were only enough for one she should have it what was the good of anything else was there anything in life worth more but she was unfolding her naked arms please leave me then in a sudden impulse he said in her ear wait i'm coming with you and he was himself surprised at what he had said he had sworn never to go down again whence then came this sudden decision arising from his lips without thought of his without even a moment's discussion there was now such calm within him so complete a cure of his doubts that he persisted like a man saved by chance who has at last found the only harbour from his torment so he refused to listen to her when she became alarmed understanding that he was devoting himself for her and fearing the ill words which would greet him at the pit he laughed at everything the placards promised pardon and that was enough i want to work that's my idea let us dress and make no noise they dressed themselves in the darkness with a thousand precautions she had secretly prepared her miner's clothes the evening before he took a jacket and breeches from the cupboard and they did not wash themselves for fear of knocking the bowl all were asleep but they had to cross the narrow passage where the mother slept when they started as ill luck would have it they stumbled against a chair she woke and asked drowsily eh what is it catherine had stopped trembling and violently pressing etienne's hand it's me don't trouble yourself he said i feel stifled and am going outside to breathe a bit very well and Mahide fell asleep again. Catherine dared not stir. At last she went down into the parlor and divided a slice of bread and butter, which she had reserved from a loaf given by a Monceau lady. Then they softly closed the door and went away. Souverain had remained standing near the advantage, at the corner of the road. For half an hour he had been looking at the colliers who were returning to work in the darkness, passing by with the dull tramp of a herd. He was counting them, as a butcher counts his beasts at the entrance to the slaughterhouse and he was surprised at their number even his pessimism had not foreseen that the number of cowards would have been so great the stream continued to pass by and he grew stiff very cold with clenched teeth and bright eyes but he started among the men passing by whose faces he could not distinguish he had just recognized one by his walk he came forward and stopped him where are you going to etienne in surprise instead of replying stammered what you've not set out yet then he confessed he was going back to the pit no doubt he had sworn only it could not be called life to wait with folded arms for things which would perhaps happen in a hundred years and besides reasons of his own had decided him souverain had listened to him shuddering he seized him by the shoulder and pushed him towards the settlement go home again i want you to do you understand but catherine having approached he recognized her also etienne protested declaring that he allowed no one to judge his conduct and the engine man's eyes went from the young girl to her companion while he stepped back with a sudden relinquishing movement when there was a woman in a man's heart that man was done for 
he might die perhaps he saw again in a rapid vision his mistress hanging over there at moscow that last link cut from his flesh which had rendered him free of the lives of others and of his own life he said simply go etienne feeling awkward was delaying and trying to find some friendly word so as not to separate in this manner then you're still going yes well give me your hand old chap a pleasant journey and no ill-feeling the other stretched out an icy hand neither friend nor wife good-bye for good this time yes good-bye and souverine standing motionless in the darkness watched etienne and catherine entering the borough end of section thirty six